Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have back with us on the line Steve and Jamie Weichman. Weichman, right? It's actually Wishman. Wishman? Are you serious? And I've been saying it wrong this whole time. But, you know, I'm always thinking that that CH should be a hard CH. But It was at one point. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for being with us and being back with us again. Um, Wishman, that sounds way better. Actually, than than Weichmann. So, so listeners, forgive me for last time mispronouncing their name, but um, also that's on you guys. You should have just corrected right. me the last episode. I, it did cross my mind. Okay, yeah, I appreciate y'all's uh, mercy in uh, in that. But thank y'all for being with us. And I want to dive right back in because we didn't, you know, last time we we started to unpack your story. We got to where you guys were married, you've got kids, normal, actually even more than normal stressors because you had, you know, changed jobs and you're back in seminary and you're having kids and so lots of stressors in your life. Take us through, though, where, um, what happened over those years that eventually got you to maybe what we would call a breaking point or something Mm -hmm. where, just tell us what happened that kind of got to that point? Yeah, the, I, I think um, to put it as succinctly as possible, what I discovered in, in ministry in the church, and I'm guessing this might be true in a lot of places in life, is that it was very isolating. Um, and part of it was I naturally had learned how to isolate the more difficult feelings I had in my life. But professional church work does it even more. I think it, um, there's a lot of, there's just not a lot of safe places to talk and to say, hey, I'm struggling with my faith or I'm struggling with my marriage or whatever it might be. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm slowly going down this path of all of that's just going and getting shoved down. And I think I must have been pretty good at it because I lasted for quite a while. <laughs> Um, and it got about 13 years, but yeah. finally I couldn't keep it down. So, so now while this is going on, uh, are you are you saying there was nobody uh, externally that you felt like you could connect with, or were you also not even maybe sharing those things with Jamie? Um, I would say that a lot of stuff I dumped on Jamie, um, any work-related stuff and how that felt, Um there were a couple times where I had men in my life, but they, those were sporadic. I didn't have them all the time. And when I hit the breaking point, I really, we were in a new place. I'd been there two years and uh, it was a place that had a lot of woundedness in it already. And so the people I was working with were um, fairly skittish and, and I could, it was hard to get close to them. And so I ended up very alone mm. during a very difficult time. Uh, as far and I say alone, I had lots of people around me, but not people that I could tell what I was dealing with. So then, Jamie, what was this season like for you uh, as as a wife, and and maybe you know getting some of Steve's work stuff dumped on you? You've got you know kids in the mix. Um, how did you respond as a wife to these things, and and then also what was going on in your own life during this time? We. Um... I, I really wanted, we had just moved two years before that. It's a really hard move for me and the kids. Um, it took a long time. I mean, I probably cried for six months after we moved pretty consistently. 
So it was hard to get connected at our new place. And um, so probably the, the way we were connecting the most at that time was me catching his work dumping. Mm. So I was, I was willing to do that because it was the way I was getting to know him. Mm. But it was heavy. And he didn't always want to share it all. And a lot of times I had a lot of ideas and suggestions for what he should do that, that were not really <laughs> what he was wanting to do at the time. So um, it was also kind of, it was a real challenging time for our relationship. Yeah. yeah. And so then what was happening in the relationship? Because obviously these are a lot of stressors and, and everybody, you know, I can't imagine that there's anybody listening that is married that doesn't recognize the reality of stressors. Yeah. In, in life. I mean, even if they're not married, they're stressors in life. Um, but how are you guys processing the stress? First of all, were you even recognizing that maybe stress was mounting? Um, and whether or not you were, what were some of kind of your coping mechanisms for dealing with just the increased stressors in your, in your lives? Oh, goodness. Um, I think I may have said this on our previous interviews. When I came home, I, I felt safe there. I felt like I could like fall apart. Um, the problem was, is that's pretty much all I did at home. So I just come home and I would sit on the back porch. That was my safe place. Maybe go out and grill, have a beer. Jamie would come out and sit with me for a lot of that time. Um, but I, I, there was, I didn't have energy to like ask her good questions about her day um, or to ask. I, I remember starting to feel bad about my parenting, like I'm really not getting to know my kids because I don't have any energy. It's all burned up. Um, and so for me, um, more sleep. Um, I needed lots of special things like a, a special drink, a glass of wine or, or beer, or special food would make me feel, it'd give me a, a quick fix of it. I, I feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, lots of entertainment, constantly watching movies, constantly watching sporting programs. And and then ultimately, for me, some of the deepest stuff would have been starting to look at pornography. Mm. Um, and that was something that had been off and on in my life. Um, but when I felt really, really tired and ashamed and alone, that's that's where I would end up. And so everything that you're describing, Steve, which is is all of those things are actually pretty common in terms of people that are dealing with stressful things. What I'm hearing from you is these were all things that were built to distract, mm -hmm. right? So yes. so that's sort of what you were doing then, right? So then, Jamie, how were you maybe coping with just these all these stressors that were going on in your marriage and in your life? Well. First of all, both of our health at that time really took a big hit. Like mm. both, we both spent a lot of time at the chiropractor. Our backs were a mess. So I think I think that stress comes out of you, <laughs> one way or another, if you're not dealing with it. Yeah, that's true. I was also um, becoming more and more frustrated, probably with him and his inability to engage on any level. And I had some things in my life that were actually kind of exciting at the time that that he was not able to share with me or interact with or even receive very well. So um, I would just remember being really frustrated. I would imagine I was pretty controlling. I probably took extra effort to make sure my kids were doing everything absolutely perfectly and just so I could feel like I had some control in some area of my life. Yeah. 
So then how long did this go on? And then what precipitated maybe what we might call the breaking point where you started dealing with these things in different ways and really, really focusing on building better health in your marriage? Um, <clears throat> so that we were in, in that, uh, that church for two, two total years, just under two years. It was probably, um, how long was it in when you went to the prayer? It was only a few months. That was a few months in that you went to the prayer. That summer. So um, Jamie went to a, a, a prayer ministry back where we used to live in North Texas. And that, I, I credit a lot, I credit that with a lot of where we ended up. Is that, that prayer ministry got her really bringing her life before God um, in a very authentic way that ended up affecting how we, why we ended up even making the decision that we did of me resigning. Um, <clears throat> because she started to get stronger as she opened up to God and opened up to this other woman. And then in time, we actually sat down and prayed with a couple other people in that church. Um, and it was through that process that I felt the freedom to finally say, it's healthy for me to resign and to get healthy um, and, to, and to wait on God before I do something next, um, which was a scary thing to, to think because I never would have made that decision without that. So Now, as part of this sort of awakening or, or shift, um, did this require some, some confession to one another? Did this require being able to sort of say, hey, there, there are things about me that I haven't been vulnerable enough with you about. And then what did that look like? And then where did that maybe, where'd that take your relationship to maybe open up at a different level with one another? I would say um, that probably didn't even happen until later. I yeah. feel like we had, after we left there, really God gave us a sabbatical year almost. And we just needed that much time to detox, I think. And I, it was probably at least a year before you started sharing more of your struggle. Yeah, I would say, so I shared some of the stuff that I could see was the bad fruit. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, we had long talked about my proclivity to when I felt overwhelmed or felt alone to just get stuck watching TV. That, that went way back. So that was out in front. The thing that didn't come out, and it's because I didn't even know, was I didn't know how I felt. And I think is when we had, when God pressed pause on our life and we took, I was out of work for 15 months and we traveled for six of those and stayed with friends and other people. And it was during that time that we spent so much close time together that I realized when she would ask me, so how do you feel about that? I'd be like, I don't, <laughs> does not compute. <laughs> and she's right. like, you don't know what you feel about that? And I was like, actually, no, I don't. And it, I had to work at it. I had to work at recognizing how I felt about things. And as I did, then I was able to open up with her about deeper stuff because I didn't even know. I didn't yeah. know how I felt about things. And so, so, okay, so you had this 15 months, and now things are getting to a stage where you've sort of detoxed, as you put it, Jamie. And then, uh, 
And then it sounds like there was another layer of openness that occurred after that. Take us through what that looked like and, and where that maybe is that what started to steer you guys towards thinking that maybe God has you for marriage ministry or for a different kind of future or just take us through the next stages. Um, so six months we traveled, that was mainly detox. And we went, we went to 20, some 23 States. It was exhilarating exhilarating. because we had always lived by the rules and, (laughs) and the rules I think can be good and healthy, but they were a straitjacket to us. And we had lost our joy and we had no freedom. So so experiencing a God who's a little more playful than we had ever known was really enlivening to yeah. us. So that was really, so, I'd say, six really fantastic months. Yeah, yeah th- those months were really good. And it was a springboard to what was next. And what was next was we moved all six of us into a 525 square foot house. Um, and we lived in that house for a year. And... Um, there's, there's really good parts about that. There's some parts that some, some of the family didn't like, obviously, but the closeness of that year, um, it was impossible. You said earlier that you saw in, in my eyes when you hurt, when, when you were hurting me, I started to see in her eyes, her desire to know how I felt about things. And I, and I think that's when I, I couldn't avoid it. We were right there with each other. That's when I learned how to know who I really was and to open up with myself first, then with God, then with Jamie, with my kids. And that to me was the defining year that set us on the course of, hey, we want to help people come out from underneath this isolation and this religious uh, straitjacket and be in places where they can be authentic and really be their whole selves, the good parts and the bad parts. Mm. So I I think it was the closeness of that year. And so then Jamie, what was that like for you to, to kind of have that new um, intimacy with Steve? It was such a sweet time. (laughs) We would, uh, 550 square feet. We have six. There are six in our family. So our four children were all sharing a room. It was, but we would get up in the morning really, really quietly and drop down a screen so the kids couldn't hear us. And we'd read our Bibles and drink our coffee and, and talk about things that were important to us and on our hearts. And I could say real things and he wouldn't freak out. And it was, it was really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I started to get to know him. And that's been ongoing. I mean, so that was a couple, like two and a half years ago. And even more, like that continues to grow and expand as he learns how to even know, check in with how he feels and to know himself. And I've learned to ask them better questions too. Like we were just driving the other day and it was obvious he was so happy and I was so happy. And I said, how are you feeling? And he's like, and he had, he'd had no words. He didn't know. And so I felt like I couldn't experience his joy with him because he had no words for it. And I asked, just where do you feel it in your body? And he like, he said his arms felt it and his chest felt it. And that led to other stories that he could share himself with me. And so it's a sweet connecting time where it used to be like, I don't know how I feel, shoulder shrug, end of conversation. Right, yeah. 
So, so how did this begin to transform into the idea that this could be ministry for you guys? How did that, where did that shift take place? And tell us where you are now in that process. I would say like almost the day we left the church where we were, we had a vision of freedom and healing and rest and play for people because we had, we didn't know there was so much life to be had. So I think, I think God planted that idea on our heart pretty quickly. Um, but it's been a, a walking out over the last few years of us discovering even what that means. God gave us three words for our ministry. Our ministry values are rest, heal, and play. And I think he has taken us through the paces of that. Learn how to rest. Quit freaking out about everything. Quit driving by performance. Let's heal you. You've had a lot of life and a lot of hurts. It's worth, it's worth taking the time to heal you. And now we're starting to learn how to play again um, and laugh again and delight again. So we just really want to help other people to experience that too. Yeah. So I, you know, our listeners, if they're, if they're only listening to the program, can't see you guys. And I've been wondering the whole time that I've been looking at you guys, you've got these shirts on. Steve has one that says play. Jamie has one that says rest. So now it makes sense why you, You've got these shirts on, and and we just we need one of your kids to come in with the heel shirt on or something. I don't know, but uh, but so let's let's actually go through that. I love I love those words. Help. Maybe this is where you could speak to those listeners out there that are trying to maybe grasp a better understanding of what those words mean then to their relationship. So how do those things get applied and integrated into a marriage so that they can thrive? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, well, maybe take them and we'll just start in the order that we have them but with rest first is um, one of the things that I think we've discovered is how um, I, I, have a, I have a really bad relationship with the clock. Time is a, a, my greatest fear is probably around time. I don't have enough time. I can't do the job I want to do because of the time that I'm, I've got. And I would imagine that's probably a big one for a lot of men. And what I've discovered is, is that when, um, when I trust God with my time and, and I can't, it's hard to even put my finger on what I mean by that other than it's an experience of actually doing it, going through it and saying, I'm going to entrust you with this as I found that he gives me time to rest. And so like now I, I would work more often and I used to have to like, have a whole day, but now I do 30 minutes here and I'll do 30 minutes there and it just rejuvenates me. Um, so rest doesn't necessarily look like sleeping. There's, it's changing some of the things I do um, and allowing God to rejuvenate me um, through some of the things that he's uniquely made me for. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think it's important think, to note that rest doesn't equate inactivity either. Right. right? I mean, there are many things that you can be doing that are restful, right. you know, um, and so, and I would say this too, and Jamie, maybe you can speak to this because, uh, Steve, I think there's probably a lot of young moms out there that are going, I don't have any time either. You know, I yeah. don't, I mean, right. everything right. feels like, you know, everything is urgent. So Jamie, how would you speak to maybe some of those moms and wives out there that are wondering how do I engage this word rest into my life when it feels like there's no margin for that at all? Yeah, it is such a challenge. And that's what I want to just validate. It's a hard shift. It's a big trust to take time to rest 
because there is so much work that needs to be done. And I think, I think that's why God actually invites us into rest is because he wants us to trust him. Mm-hmm. He wants to, he wants to prove himself trustworthy of taking care of the work. So yeah, that's kind of heady philosophical. Um, practically what, what I'm realizing is, um, I, as a mom, I give and give and give, right? I do my work, I take care of my husband, I take care of my kids, and when I'm not doing those, I'm thinking of all the things that those people might need later. And so I very rarely prioritize any of my own needs. And so I get really grumpy and snippy. Mm. And then I get mad at everybody for making me grumpy and snippy. Um, so what I'm, what I'm starting to see is, hey, if I'm grumpy and snippy, that means I probably need a break. And if I don't take a break, my family would probably rather me take a break and become come back nicer, <laughs> where if I continue to stay, may- maybe they will have dinner, but they'll have mean mom dinner. Um, so I- I'm starting to realize they'd probably rather have nicer me than um, the work that I produce for them. Well, as you're, as you're saying that, the word that comes to mind that I think can maybe put a, a, a practical point on that issue of rest is sometimes we need to hit pause. Right. So because I think sometimes when people try to take that whole word of rest, they make it like, okay, I've got to now I got to schedule a day on my calendar where I'm not doing. And it's like sometimes it's like, no, I need a pause button. And right now I'm going to hit pause and maybe it's a minute. Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's 30 seconds. I just need to hit pause. And that can maybe be a way that we are engaging rest throughout any given day where it doesn't have to feel like it's this big, ominous, I've got to make plans to rest. Now, it can be helpful to make plans to rest, right? I think I think we were even, like you said, Jamie, I think God invites us. He invites us into Sabbath rest, right? Yes. He's saying there does need to be a regularity to it, that there's, hey, every seven days it's good to take a day of rest. But what I'm hearing you say is it's something that can be integrated also throughout your days, Absolutely. 30 seconds for a deep breath will go a long way. <laughs> yeah. Now, I want to get to the other words. So heal, is that the next one in kind of your progression of where you're trying to help people go? So so help us understand how that in- integrates into a marriage to help it thrive. Yeah, I, I think the biggest one for me on that is um, uh, learning to notice myself uh, in front of God and in front of another person. And so obviously in my marriage, that's with my wife. But I also think to to make it good, make that good, I also need another man in my life that I can share. When I discover what's really going on in me, I need a I need a man's perspective on the journey, and um, that's fairly new to me. Um, so I'm I'm still working on that, like learning how to notice what's going on with me, sharing it with God, share it with another man, share that with my wife, and honestly. I, I get scared of doing that because sometimes I'm afraid of what I'm going to find. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I do yeah. that, it's healing. It's, it's healing because otherwise it's actually there. It's just, if I leave it buried, it grows into something that's not helpful. And what I'm hearing you say that ties back so much to both of y'all's histories in terms of your own issues of weakness and brokenness and sin and all of that is that the reason that that is healing, I think is because it's bringing out those issues into the light in safe environments with people who actually care about us. Yes. And I I think it's sad, Steve, that I think much of what you maybe learned about 
isolation and disconnection actually came through your vocational church work. And it's sad to say that, that there's such an isolating nature many times to pastoral work. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed right. to be able to have those safe environments where it's like, no, we do life with one another. We can bring out our brokenness and bring out these things we're struggling with in those yeah. environments for the specific reason of, yeah. of healing. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite verse right now is in First John, where it says, uh, we, we walk in the light as he is in the light, mm-hmm. and then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from our sin. And so I, for me, walking in the light with uh, other people, my wife and another person, is a huge deal. That's where I get healed. Um, it's not by myself. <laughs> yeah. Myself. And, and Jamie, then how did that, how does healing, what does that look like to you in, in terms of marriage and being a wife? Yeah, so, so part of it is just knowing when we need help. Um, there's a lot of fantastic professionals out there. And when I expect Steve to be the one who catches all my problems and solves them all, I mean, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster in our relationship. So know when I need a friend, know when I need a counselor, know when I need a pastor and reach out. Yeah. And then the last word, I don't know if it's, if it's by design that Steve's wearing the shirt that says play, uh, help us understand that because I, I do believe this is something that if a couple if couples start getting into sort of the routine rut, mm-hmm. this one just seems to get abandoned altogether. And I think it's one of the reasons why actually the two significant seasons in which we see the highest rates of divorce are within the first two years or first two or three years and at the 25-year mark. Mm. And if you think about it, that 25-year mark is usually when Kids are all grown up, and now we're looking at each other, and we don't know how to have fun. We don't know each other. So describe what play looks like in a healthy marriage. We're learning. We're, we're learning. We are in process. We're in process of learning that. So we're trying to be, uh, like, even research ourselves a little bit. So what, do, what would we enjoy now? We're different people than we were when we got married 20 years ago. Um, and so we're trying to find that and then make space for it uh, of how do you actually make space for it? Um, what what would be enjoyable? And for us, that probably the biggest one is we'd like to do stuff with other couples. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then we're trying to find some outdoors kinds of things because we found that a lot of our life ended up indoors. So <laughs> we also are learning that when we rest well and start to heal, uh, we start laughing again. So it actually is becoming less difficult for us. I mean, like play, maybe I have a narrow view of play, just like I do of rest. Like we should be playing cards every night or playing basketball with our kids. And we do those things sometimes, but really to just be able to tell a story that's funny and laugh. uh, That feels like a huge entry into play for me because I think we had stopped laughing. Yeah. And I think the, the important thing for all of these words that you guys have put together is that, the way in which a couple engages them is incredibly varied. There can be thousands, millions of ways that you can rest and play and even heal together. So as we wrap up here, um, uh, what would just be a closing word of encouragement that you might have to the couples out there? And then also, how can they connect with you and find out more about your ministry? Oh, so I think when you start to hear about rest, healing, and play, it could easily feel like a burden. Like, I'm so far from that. And um, 
I just want to relieve some pressure there. I mean, what we have found is that God has driven this process. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've played our part. I think that's important. But for the most part, he's like, I'm going to teach you how to rest. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to, I'm going to help you be childlike again. And so I would just maybe encourage you to, um, if you're feeling some burden about this, to just tell that to God and say, I would like to have these things in my life and I have no idea how, and then be watching because he's so faithful. These are gifts he has just like waiting, like on his fingertips to give to you. Yes. And that's, I would reiterate that is just be honest with God and God will show, God's there. And as you're honest with what you're really feeling, it, all of a sudden you can see, you can see where he's at work. You can see his kingdom and these gifts are coming because it's who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and find somebody else to do that with because that, that helps <laughs> well, on the days when you have struggled to find it yourself. So, yeah. And as far as getting in touch with us, um, breathelifetoday.com is our website. And there's a, a contact page on that where you can get a hold of us. Um, we're in Tomball, Texas, and uh, we would we would love to be able to walk with people who are wanting to learn more about this. So. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Steve and Jamie, so much for being on the program again. It's good to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for asking. And, of course, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us, and we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.